What's up, everybody? We're back for season two of Ask Chad Grassy Logic, episode one. Um, I'm here with my friends from Big Chicken. Uh, we're going to have a good conversation today, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about you guys. So thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, where were you guys um, out of, by the way? We're in Barino, so okay. about halfway to El Paso between here and between Las Cruces and El Paso. Okay, awesome. And if some of you don't know, you know, we, we live in what's called the border area. So, you know, El Paso, Texas is really close to us. So, you know, there's a lot of people that sometimes live in El Paso and work here or sometimes like, you know, the backyards in Texas and their front of the houses in New Mexico. So it depends where you live. Um, so anyway, thank you again for, for joining me. Um, first off, I want to thank uh, today's sponsor of the episode, um, Quality Packaging. Um, thank you for sponsoring today's episode. Um, for your packaging needs, um, in compliance, great communication, many pricing packages, totally custom and on time. Contact Josh Viegas for business inquiries or estimates. Uh, phone number is 575-571-6288. Or you can head up to email at quality custom, custom with the K, 210 at gmail.com. Thank you again for sponsoring this episode and uh, shoot them out if you guys need some packaging. Anyway, we're going to jump right in. We're going to um, ask, start asking questions about Big Chicken and get, get to know you guys a little better. So who is Big Chicken? Well, I am Tony Miller. I'm the general manager of the Big Chicken Farm, and we are a vertically integrated um, cannabis facility up through manufacturing level four. So we do everything in-house all the way up through extractions with solvent extractions um, and everything um, before that as well. So solventless extractions, we'll make edibles, we'll make um, water-soluble drinks, um, of course, flour, pre-rolls, you know, basically the whole gamut, the cartridges, disposables, C-cells. Um, we're going to make all of that stuff in-house. Cool. So you guys are going to, you know, be really versatile and kind of provide a lot of things. That, yes, absolutely. Um, we're trying to do everything in-house that we can. Um, as the market develops and we start to see what people are after, you know, the, the things that are in the real peripheral edges of the market to me is like um, lotions and potions and tinctures and things like that. Uh, right now, we're not intending to, it's not on the plan to do it, but it may be in the future as, as this thing develops and we see where it goes. Oh, cool. Um, well, thank you for that. You know, you had a, you know, quite a bit into that and I appreciate that. Um, how long have you worked in the cannabis industry? Well, it hasn't always been legal, but I've been in the industry for about 25 years, probably. Um, I, I started growing in, in Colorado when I moved up there just uh, about 98. So I started growing up there about 2000 or so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just right before they went medical, right? That was way before they were yeah, medical. Yeah. I actually left there 10 years later and moved back to New Mexico before Colorado was even legal. So oh, okay. everything was always kind of hush-hush back in the day. Oh yeah, I well, we don't remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, a chicken farm. You know, how did how did that come about? You know, like you know, really start the farm so, and everything on that. The chicken farm. That's we called it the baked chicken farm to pay homage to it because it was a chicken farm. It was an egg farm, not a meat farm. Okay. Um, but it was previously owned by Land of Lakes, and um, there oh, okay. was there was three million chickens there. I was told up until about the mid nineties. Okay. Um, it's on a two hundred acre property and. When Land of Lakes closed the chicken portion of it, they still farmed the land around it, but okay. closed the actual indoor barns that had the actual birds in them, okay. um, and the birds went away. Yeah. Um, and I, from what I was told, that was in the mid-90s. So they've been gone for a long time. They've been gone 25 years already yeah, yeah. Um, from that facility. So uh, then we just went in there and, and tried to figure out how we could use the property to con convert it into a cannabis facility. And uh, the flooring in there, I mean, if you guys want to come out and take a tour, I'd be happy to give you a tour. But yeah. um, 
the floor in there is a stair-stepped floor where they had um, slots for basically the the scraper that would come underneath the birds and scrape the poop out. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and the birds were all suspended in cages from the ceiling so that there was nothing touching the floor. And the whole entire building slopes downhill one direction. So it's 550 feet long. Okay. It's 50 feet wide, and it all leans down to one end. So we went in there and divided each one of those into five buildings. So there are 100 feet in each room. And with all of the natural sloping and stuff, we um, went in and came up with a system to put trays to do drain to waste um, with cocoa bags um, on top of that. And, and we do all drain to waste. Um, I, I repurpose the water. It's called drain to waste because it doesn't go back through the cannabis, mm -hmm. but we do recycle the water and, and repurpose it to the rest of the 200 acre farm. There's a few places that do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of one of the good things that needs to be happening as far as the way this industry grows, because you got to do something with that runoff water. Yeah. Um, it's, it's valuable water and it needs to be used on a plant somewhere to clean the water up. Yeah. You know, you don't want to just be running it down the drain. Um, but we went in and came up with a plan to, to convert it into a cannabis facility and it's worked out really well so far. Um, and now we're still in the construction processes of fi finishing out the manufacturing side. So cool. production with the plant side is fully up and, run and running. The manufacturing side is getting close. I'm, I'm going to say a month from having the construction done and then we'll get into inspection phases and then after inspection, it'll be up and running. Cool. So, you know, you guys are still going and, you know, still, still going. Yep, yep. <laughs> it never stops. You know, that's, that's the it, thing about it. it ev ev stops. Evolving. It's supposed to evolve forever, hopefully. Yeah, it's ever evolving, especially yep, yep. with this industry and everything and the way things go. Um, how many plants are you guys growing right now? So, I have 850 plants in each room and 10 rooms. So, 8,500 plants flowering and another 4,000 in veg, moss or menos, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So, about 1,250. Okay. 12,500, somewhere yeah. in that neighborhood, depending on what day of the week it is, if they've just been harvested or if we have an extra set of clones coming out. Yeah, because yeah. I know that's, that's a lot of plants to take care of, you know, even on the fish side. The it, side it, it is a lot. I, I'm staffed up right now. Of course, the office staff and my construction crew still and the manufacturing crew that we're using to, to put all this together. I'm at 37 people uh, employed out there right now. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's a lot of area to cover, you know, and, you know, it's like you guys are doing pretty good for yourselves. So. It, it takes a lot to get it done, and I couldn't do it by myself, that is for sure. <laughs> and I have a really, really good team that I lean on and, and does a really good job of um, keeping the production side moving forward so that I can kind of lean on the manufacturing side to get it done, Yeah. yeah. to get the construction stuff done. Nice. Yeah. Always got to delegate. Yeah. yeah definitely. So um, what are some of your favorite cultivars that you guys grow on right now? Mm, we typically have about 15 cultivars in rotation out there. But some of my favorites so far, taste and smell-wise, um, Nimbus Snacks, God's Breath, Garlic and Bananas. Nice. Um, there's some, some odd strains out there, Midnight Runts, Apple Fritter. Some of them are, are you know, fairly common, but they're also um, slight derivatives of some other strains, just like yeah. everybody else's. I mean, everything is so, you know, hybridized. These yeah. Days that, you know, there's really no pure anything you know it's it's just a mix of something we're still gonna be wrong we, we did that on purpose fact um but you know at the same time you know we, we got rid of the oh this is all sativa this is all indica you know or something like that it's all mixed so it, it is what it is but it's an ever-evolving industry you know the, there's still some um, land races that are out there but you know you don't really run into them on the legal market as as much as you 
you know, used it. It's just like any industry. You're going to take the best of the best every year. And as, as the industry grows year after year, using the best of the best, you're, you're going to evolve to be the best of the best. Yeah. And what you started with is, is not going to be a comparison at all after yeah. X amount of years. Because we're stabilizing the genetics. genetics like, e- everything, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything, we're like 60 years behind, like, you know, regular farming and their you know, stabilization of genetics, you know, we're still getting there with, you know, cannabis. It doesn't matter if we were breeding pigs or dairy cows or anything. You're, you're, you're going to use the best of the best all the time, and it's going to evolve genetically mm-hmm. to to be what it is today. 100%. You know? Yeah. Bananas didn't start the way they are today. Yeah, right? That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find your products? Um, if you want to go online, you can look at bakedchickenfarm.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, if you look on there, there are some different spots to see uh, which dispensaries we're in. We're on a bunch of dispensaries on the east side of the state, a few locally here, and a few up towards Albuquerque. Um, we have been wholesaling product now, I think, for about coming up on four months. Um, and so we're just getting into the stages of getting this stuff out and getting in a constant rotation and motion to, to get this stuff through. Testing, uh, the delay in testing has, has definitely um, weighed on the whole uh, areas of getting this stuff out in a timely manner. So we're just trying to get everything in line where we're always in a constant rotation. Harvest, cure, trim, test, sell. And, and it's taken a while to get all of that into rotation, but we're, we're there now. Definitely. I mean, you guys are getting there, you know, it's, it's a process, you know, it, a lot it of is a think process. It's a, you know, flip the light switch on or flip it off and, you know, you're good to go, but you know, that's, it's, it's a whole process and it, it takes a while to, to get it going, especially, you know, zeroing it in on a large scale that takes a while. So I'm glad you guys took your time and you're able to, you know, zero it in. And get it. We, we are definitely still dialing. I'm not going to say that, that we're not completely dialed in because we're not dialed in and we, we do strive to be the best. And right now it is not 100% the best of what I'm looking for. And we will continue to tweak it till we get there. Um, but we're still knocking out some really killer product. I mean, uh, you can go on our website and see test results and things like that and see where we're on with THC and, um, we are a hundred percent indoor facility with all LED lights. So um, indoor grown f- marijuana is typically going to be a little bit lower on the THC side, but we are a super clean facility. So there's no pesticides being used. There's no um, sprays being used. I do a foliar with nutrients, but that's a, a food program for the plants. Everything that we do there is biological pest control. We don't have bugs in the facility, but we use biological bugs um, as predators to, to monitor the facility and, and keep the facility clean. So we try to do everything as biological as we can. Um, and so the product just ends up a better product being clean, indoor product, climate controlled um, all the way through till it's in a bag. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, with the industry moving, well, the customer base moving more towards, you know, the terpene profile, and like the full spectrum, as people call it, um, you know, the, the higher THC is becoming less and less of a thing. Um, here in New Mexico, it's still a thing, but in other places, it's starting to change. And I feel that, you know, it's coming for New Mexico. So, I mean, if, you know, if you guys put out good, you know, terpene cannabis, you know, you, you should be all right. You know, it, it's you got to You got to taste it. You got to, you know, you got to smoke it. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. And, yeah. and you have to smoke it to see what it is, because. It's more than just the high. It's more than just the flavor. It's more than just the smell. To me, it's a combination of all oh, yeah. that are going to put it on the shelf and be a, a home run winner. And, yeah. and, and that's what we're striving for yeah. constantly. I mean, what I'm saying is the THC level. Yeah. At the end, 
72%. And if I enjoy everything, I would like it better than 30%. And a lot of the times that's uh, more of the case than not. And you get to your your newer smokers, so to speak, the ones that are just kind of coming into it because yeah. it's now legal. They don't necessarily want a 30% THC. No. They're, I mean, sometimes I don't. They're, <laughs> they're not trying to get completely obliterated by yeah. the by the 30% THC. So we're really trying to be in there with um, full flavor, full spectrum for everybody. And of course, you're not going to please everybody, but we try to, you know, be in the middle of the road here as far as we can can be with the and that's fair you with know, everything. Spoken like a true brewer, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's great to hear. You know, it's really refreshing to hear that you know people are focusing more than just you know THC. It's like the whole around experience, you know, for the customer. I, I want to run every strain that we have at least twice to run through and make sure that we didn't mess something up the first time before we pick the strains that we're sticking with. Yeah. And we're just now kind of getting into some of those that have come around twice now. And so we're starting to uh, see which strains we really want to uh, stick with and, and really push um, going forward from here. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for talking to me about the grow. I love talking about grows. I'm growing for about 11 years. So something I always love. Seems like about. that's all I talk about. I'm like, oh, wait, we got to talk, talk about grow for a minute. So do you guys have any retail spots? So the retail spot is built, but not open yet. It is at 2701, or I'm sorry, 2702 West Amador. Uh, and it's paired with a coffee and waffle shop called the Roasted Rooster. Okay. So that's here in Cruces? It is here in Cruces. Okay. It's over by the truck stops on down where Amador and Motel Boulevard intersect there. Okay. Um, the Roasted Rooster is open. We are open seven days a week there um, from 6 in the morning till 10 at night, Monday through Friday. And from 8 to 8 on Saturdays and Sundays. The dispensary is paired next to it, but they're not associated with each other. So the coffee shop is just a standard coffee and waffle shop um, as far as standard waffles go because we do have delicious sandwiches and things like that, as well as breakfast waffles. Um, but the dispensary is not in the waffle um, and coffee shop. So they are two separate businesses. Um, but the dispensary, I'm hoping if we can get enough of our manufactured products on hand that we're going to manufacture in-house with approved packaging, we can hopefully get them on the shelf maybe mid-March or April 1 and try to get the dispensary open. Cool. And again, you know, I really appreciate you guys taking your time to get a product out there. You know, it's kind of like the Apple. You know, the, the, a lot of people make a comparison. You know, Android has this, Android has that. Uh, but if you look at Apple, they do adapt it later on down the road. But when you get it, it works. You yep. know, it always works out as intended. And so it kind of feels the same thing that, you know, like it may take a little bit for you guys to get there. But once you get it, it works. You know? <sighs> And so that, that's good to hear, you know, that, that you guys, you know, really took your time on that. And so, you know, I'm sure the, the customer base really appreciates it too. You know, I can't wait to try some waffles. Yeah. <laughs> I invite you to come down anytime, which you seems should. like we're open all the time. Right. <laughs> and what, do you guys just do waffles or what kind of other foods can they expect? From so them? there's tea, coffee, waffles, and the waffles are from like breakfast waffles all the way through uh, Parmesan chicken sandwiches, baked, um, baked chicken and waffles is one of our number one with a peanut sauce on it. Baked chicken and waffles. I um, <laughs> We, we just tried to do a little bit of, of different things up there. The all-in-one waffles, one of my favorites. So I do the sausage one, which is sausage, egg, and cheese in the waffle, in the iron, all baked together. So I love it because I go through the drive-thru, and it's not a messy sandwich to try to eat while I'm driving. Yeah. Um, as far as dinner sandwiches and stuff go, we have some sliders with um, pulled pork, brisket, um, that are just, you know, it, it it seems a little bizarre to have a sandwich on a waffle, but it really comes together. It really pairs up well. Um, and then we have at night as well some uh, dessert waffles with a bubble waffle with scooped ice cream and 
um, you know, um, root beer floats and those kinds of things. Are those different breeds of chickens? Everything. You've got that. Oh, so that's, that's good. So yeah, every yeah. name is a different breed of a chicken. Yes, I'm a chicken guy. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people that are chickens yeah. know right away when yeah. they get there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. So, All well, they got to read is about two of them. I had a question. I'm kind of curious about it. It's like, it's like something in a jar, like fruit in a jar with something in it. Agua frescas. So uh, Dan Daniel, uh, Daniel's making uh, fresh agua frescas every uh, day from fresh fruit. Oh, wait. It's not actually deep. All, all, like all the way up to almost like where the waffles were. Yeah, a little further, a little further, a little further, a little further. Right here, right there. Those, those jars. Oh, those are salads. Oh, those are salads. And the others are yogurt. Oh, those are yogurt. Okay. So it's a salad in a jar. Okay. And then you, when you flip it over and dump it out, that's when the dressing and everything gets on it. That's really cool. Because it's all underneath. So it's for the people that are the working person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good to hear. And so tell me more about this agua fresca too. So Daniel makes uh, Daniel Gonzalez is the general manager of the retail shop and the um, roasted rooster as well, mm -hmm. and um, he's been in the industry as far as drink masters and bartending and such for a long, long time. But he makes custom agua frescas with fresh fruits that they um, blend and strain um, and pair with other fruits together to make agua frescas. Nice. They typically have three or four flavors, four or five flavors every day, mm -hmm. um, all from fresh fruits. Oh, cool. I mean, that's always good to hear because sometimes when you get an agua fresca, you don't know if it's from powder or if it's from real fruit, you know, because sometimes they add like a little bit of fruit in there, you know, and so they try to fool you, but, you know, it's good to hear that it comes from real fruit. If I'm not mistaken, the only thing he uses is some um, high quality lemonade that comes oh. in that we that we purchase that is a, a custom squeeze lemonade. Yeah. Everything else is, is blended fruit that he's doing there and straining. That's cool. That's good to hear. You know, that's that's. Sounds yummy because whenever you get that, it's always a better agua fresca than you know, yeah. The yeah. lemonade is just a pairing inside it. I know he does a um, what's the um, the palm juice, pomegranate. Ooh, there's yeah. a, a pomegranate. Of course, we're not squeezing pomegranates. Um, we we're, 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 we're pouring some. <laughs> we get pomegranate juice, but we buy high quality palm juice, you know. Yeah. Um, and but as, as far as anything that's available as a fresh fruit, you know, from the garden or from the seasonally, um, they're using it. So no powder. No powders, not <laughs> not the strawberries, the strawberry and blueberry syrups that he uses are all cooked down fruits that he makes in house. Um, everything's as fresh and local as we can get. We're pairing with local farmers for pecans and for anything else that we can get as far as the coffee beans and uh, whatever we can serve um, locally and seasonally. That's cool. You know, I, I've noticed that people in New Mexico kind of appreciate that more, and you know, the flavors always a little bit better. It is a farming community, so yeah. farmers lean on farmers for sure. 100%, you know? gotta support each other. Yep. Um, so, what are the plans for you know Big Chicken as a whole as a company? Uh, hopefully, our next move is going to be down into the Sunland Park, Santa Teresa area, cool. and possibly up to the Highway 70, Sonoma Ranch area in that um, facility, up in that general neck of the woods. But uh, again, still pairing. Excuse me. Still pairing it, the roasted rooster with the dispensary. Um, the combination of the two has has so far proven to be um, very viable. And, and everybody's very excited about it. Um, the waffles, it seemed like I, I thought we would be real busy in the mornings and not so busy at night. And I thought we would sell more breakfast waffles than anything. And I'm wrong. Huh. It's, uh, it's more the savory sandwich waffles and it's more busier from lunchtime to dinner than, than it is for breakfast. And breakfast is still busy, don't get me wrong. But um, it, it is more of a, um, a lunch and dinner place. It's great. And it's always funny to hear because, you know, we always have these uh, three three notions that, you know, oh, the customer is going to love this and it ends up being something totally oh, different. Totally like, different. love that? Totally, <laughs> totally different. Yeah. So it's always funny. It's, it's always funny how that goes. It's always the case, too. 
Um, so awesome. So where can people find you guys online? You're like social media and you know, websites and stuff. We're on Facebook, Instagram, um, bakedchickenfarm.com, um, Snapchat, um, basically all the social media platforms. Um, if you get into one of them, I think they all have a link to lead you to the other ones. Um, if you're looking for flour, you're going to be at bakedchickenfarm.com. There is a, a section in there for wholesalers to look and see what we have strain-wise. And there is a section for um, general public to look at for information. And then we have the roastedroosternm.com, which will get you to the menu for the roasted rooster for seeing what you want to go with. Um, eventually, we will have online ordering and... Um, we're just, we haven't pulled the trigger on that one just yet. It is set up, but it's a little more difficult to actually um, launch. So right now it's just not available to order online, but it will be very soon. Nice. Yeah, that's good to hear. You know, New Mexico really expanded that a lot online ordering and delivery and all that good stuff. Again, doing it right or not doing it at all. And yeah. if we can't do it right and we're, we're still tweaking our menu too much to keep up with the online stuff, because as soon as we change something in-house and it doesn't get changed on the online order, Somebody puts in an order, it's not even available. It starts a whole process of now what do we do? You want the overall customer experience. We, we want it to be right or not at all. It's It's got to be Chick-fil-A. Yeah, it's got to be Chick-fil-A. <laughs> everybody knows what I mean when I say that. That's good to hear. Um, well, thank you for joining me. Um, and I look forward to you know, continuing this conversation with you on the other topics. So you know, thank you, everybody, and big chicken again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Like, yeah. So uh, once again, I want to give a shout out to Quality Packaging for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, find them on Instagram at Quality Customs, Customs with a K. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the 2024 legislative session. It's underway already. Pre-filing started, I believe, the first or the second. I think it was the second. Um, and right now what that means is you can put a bill in. It's not being heard or anything. They're just kind of piling bills in. Um, I went to check this morning, and there's quite a few bills that uh, pertain to cannabis. We'll get into that a little bit more. Um, as you guys know, um, the session is either a 30-day session or a 60-day session um, on the Odd years is a 60-day session. The even years are a 30-day session. So we're in the even year. This year is a 30-day session. It's going to be a lot shorter this year, um, obviously, than uh, a 60-day session. We don't have much time um, really to do anything. Um, so hang on. What's going on? Okay, cool. You can, can edit that. <laughs> so we don't have much time. <laughs> now you got to edit. Um, <laughs> so we don't have much time uh, this year really to get much done other than trying to change a few things, because next year we'll have a 60-day session. That's usually when we have time to, to do and do really long bills. Because if you guys remember, in 2021, it took a special session for us to even get cannabis passed. It was a really long bill, don't get me wrong. It was over 100-something pages, I think almost 200 pages long. Um, but it did get passed, and it took a special session. Um, what are some things that you kind of you know hope to see you know come from the session, some changes maybe? Um, I don't know exactly where they're at with, with things that they're trying to change or add. Okay. Um, I haven't gotten into the bill, um, currently to see what they're trying to do. Um, as far as what they're doing, I, I need the legislative people to get CCD up to speed to be in congruence with what the industry really is in the state. Yeah. You know, we need CCD answering questions and, and doing stuff in a more timely manner. Um, pulling inspections on people. If if we're going to do it right, everybody needs to be doing it right. Um, there needs to be some sort of enforcement where licenses are being checked, packaging is being checked, products are being checked. There's a lot of out-of-state product coming into this state, right, wrong, or indifferent. It's happening, mm -hmm. um, and it and it just if everybody's going to play by the same rules, we need to be playing by the same rules. And so, as far as I'm concerned, 
in the legislative it's not really a legislative piece it's more of ccd and 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 them needing to get more staffing and more things up to speed on their end to be in congruence with the size that the industry turned into yeah. be in such a short period of time yeah and they're asking for more funding and they're actually asking for more power because they're having an issue right now shutting certain places down because they only have power to do so much they so need it they need yeah, the power they do and i agree because you know if they don't we're going to end up with a crazy overlap weird wonky system uh, program and it's going to look bad kind of already um, is yeah and <laughs> without them intervening it's going to stay there because there's a lot of players in this industry that are belong you know they're doing it wrong they're, they're hurting people um they're screwing people over and they just don't belong to be they just don't belong here and they should be taken out um, and unfortunately, they just don't have that power. And I think this session, they do need to do that because a lot of things are, you know, oversaturation. That would be one of the ways to fix it. Um, also, with, you know, so the DEA coming with their response, you know, that's going to help, too. We'll talk about that more here in a little bit, though. I just wanted to mention that because that is going to be something that's going to be a key factor. I'm shutting more places down that don't belong here, and I'll explain more in a little bit. Um, so we'll move on and talk about, you know, more of the legislation session of what I hope to hear, because this is that was actually a really good point. And, you know, CCD does need a lot more power because without that, we're going to end up in a really bad place here very quickly. Power and people. Yeah. They just don't have enough people to cover the state. Yeah. I saw the RLD truck yesterday coming back into town and I was like, dang, that guy's probably driving all over for dude. <laughs> we need, I, I welcome the inspections. You know what I mean? I, I welcome. I wish they had more staff to inspect everybody twice a year, three times a year. And, and make the industry in the state the best it can be. Yeah. And if you're not doing it the best, go somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, I preach that all the time on the on my show. You know, please do it right. You know, you know, try to follow all compliances, you know, and, you know, the CCD is doing it for a reason. You know, there's a lot of health and safety that goes into it as well. If you're not doing it right, you might be hurting somebody. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that's something that I hear from the industry too as well. Um, so there is actually quite a few bills that are introduced. Um, and I was actually going to explain what some of them are in it. So you get a first uh, look of what's really in there and kind of, sure. you know, get a take. So this year, um, one of the things that I really hope to see myself, and this is just a personal thing, is them talking about taxes. In 2025, the taxes are due to go up from 10 to 12%. And if that happens, we could see an increase of uh, traditional market activity in the state due to that. Because we'll be at an overall tax of about, what, 22% now instead of the overall 20% in certain areas, of course, of the state, depending where you live. Um, and that is almost like a threshold of 20%. And that's already too high. And a lot of the residents in the state have a hard time affording just that. So if we allow it to continue to 2023 or 2030, excuse me, that goes all the way to a total of 26%. And it will be an 18% before local and state taxes get into uh, to effect. That's how we get up to a 20% now is because of the way that the tax is going. Um, so if that happens and we increase the taxes all the way to that, or even just next year, the 2% that is going up, we could see a lot of illicit activity because people just won't be able to afford it. Um, one thing that I kind of threw out there that would help is we lower the tax for local residents and, state and keep this increasing tax for out-of-state purchases, meaning the people that are probably purchasing from Texas. Um, Definitely see some of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see about, about one or two of those, two of those, you know, a year maybe. Uh, yeah. So if we stay uh, tax the out-of-state people at a rate like this, or a little higher than what we um, tax the state people, we'll see less illicit activity in the state because the residents have a cheaper um, outlet, and then the tourists come in. They usually pay a premium on anything, anyways. Um, they should be okay with that as well. So I'm not. I'm not too sure. How do you feel about something like that yourself as like a business owner? 
like you know the taxes increasing. I don't definitely want to see taxes increasing. It, it, that. It, it definitely <laughs> it definitely costs a lot um, yeah. after you give them the price of the product and then you come back and hit them with another 20 percent yeah. on top of that. They're like, yeah. well, I thought you just told me a price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Well, it's tax. You know, it's just like anything at the store, but they're used to a six, seven, eight percent tax at the normal store. You know, something reasonable. <laughs> Um, the other thing is too, I believe this state still has free tax for medical patients, correct? Yes, I think it's, it's tax free. Yes. So that is one um, avenue to, to try to beat some of those um, issues is to, to have a medical card um, and, and making those more readily available yeah. is also um, something that the state could yeah. do. And I know I sound like, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, complaining about something crazy because, oh, here in California, you know, it's great. I know you guys are tax crazy in California, but for New Mexico, you know, we're this ain't California. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. You know, this isn't California, guys. Um, and you know, this tax right here would hurt, you know, our residents if we keep allowing it to increase. So I think this year we have to tackle this because next year it does increase. And so if we tackle this this year, we can at least get ahead next year when it comes to the new bill. We don't even have to worry about that part. It's already done. We can worry about the things that do need to happen. I feel micros need more cannabis plants. Um, that's one thing that, you know, I've kind of seen overall from the micros themselves saying, we just need more plants, you know, like 200 just doesn't cut it. And I get it. They can buy more, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But, it, you know, it kind of becomes annoying when you got to do that instead of just getting the plants and kind of building out yourself. Um, so that's one thing that I have seen kind of proposed in one of the bills was, you know, <laughs> increasing plant counts for the micros. So that's good to see. Um, and I'll uh, tell you guys a few of the bills. There's actually a whole page and a bunch of bills that have cannabis in there. Um, I have to go through them myself because I just looked this morning and I was like, oh man, I'm going to be busy this weekend. Um, but I'm going to be in Eastern New Mexico too. So it's going to be a little bit different. Um, so with the 30 day session, I've mentioned this before many times, they usually just worry about the budget. And that's the reason why it's so hard to get this stuff passed. And that's why I feel passing tax, something like this, a tax change will be a lot easier to be a smaller bill and you can get it to the chambers a lot quicker. Because uh, sometimes things just get killed over in a committee, and you know we all know how that heartbreak is. Um, so um, ensure you guys are watching my socials and everything, because I'm going to keep everybody up to date on what's going on. You know, like uh, if the bill is introduced, if there's a committee hearing going on, I'll send links for the webcast so you guys can watch the committee hearings. I put it on my TV and throw popcorn at the TV and cuss at people, mm -hmm. um, so you guys can do the same yourself if you like. You know, if that tickles your fancy. I do it so that way I know exactly what's being said from my representatives and how they're representing me. You know, it's a way that, you know, the state can be transparent. We know that the people that we voted for are doing the jobs. Um, and, you know, if you're in the cannabis industry, you know, everyone is an advocate. If you're, you know, a cannabis user, cannabis, you know, person working in the industry, we're all advocates for this industry because we want it to work and we want it to be an industry for us, the people and the people that work in it. Um, especially the customers, because they dictate what you know what we do. <laughs> yeah, without customers, we have nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have nothing without our customers. So thank you so much for purchasing all the cannabis you guys have, because yeah. you guys have purchased a lot. Thanks for smoking. Yeah, yeah. Was it like half a million dollars? It's getting yeah. up there. Yeah. I saw a thirty million dollar report from Sunland Park. Yeah, from yeah. January to yeah. November. Yeah, that, that was a lot of cannabis. So um, again, uh, just keep an eye out for those guys. Make sure you're following everything, so that way you can get a clue what's going on and know exactly what's to come in this following year because laws change every year bills get introduced every year um let's just hope that you know nothing crazy gets in introduced here in new mexico but i got a couple here that i'll talk about now so um we have a few bills that were introduced like i said so the first one i'm going to talk about is hb 157 what that stands for is house bill so it means that someone in the house introduced this bill and this has to deal with packaging requirements pretty much it's just saying in solidification and like in, in stone 
You cannot use cartoons. You cannot use celebrities likeness like those uh, Tyson ears. That uh, well, mm. actually, those were Evander ears. Excuse me. Yeah. That Tyson was selling. <laughs> so here in New Mexico, you can't do that. And you, or that's what this bill says. And again, guys, for those who aren't really sure how the process works, just because a bill is introduced and it's in our um, legislature doesn't mean that it's going to pass and become a, a law. It has to go through the House. It has to go through the Senate. Then it has to go to the governor's desk. But within the House and the Senate, they have to go to individual committees. And sometimes they have four to five committees. Hopefully they don't get that many. But that is the process that it goes through. And that's in both chambers. So they have to pass all of that, go to the floors, pass both of them. And it can start in the Senate or it can start in the House. doesn't really matter. Flip-flops just has to go through both. Then it goes to the governor. And it's up to her to sign it or not. So it has a lot of a long way to go, and we have 30 days to do this. That's why I'm saying I don't know if many to all of these are really going to go anywhere. Um, next, I'll talk about HB 158. Um, that one is a DWI thing, and there's another one in there that's similar that has to do with saliva tests, a roadside mm -hmm. saliva test they're going to be doing. Um, and I remember last year they had something in it too, but I don't think they quite knew what to do. It was more or less looking for something for a roadside test. And I think they found something, and it's a saliva test thing. And I'm going to be uh, quite frank. It looks pretty graphic on how you got to do it. It looks um, it's like a little uh, little rocket you put in your mouth and you got to suck on it like a sucker. And then that's the way that they collect the it's sample. It's a sponge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way they collect the sample to see if you're currently um, stoned. Is it accurate? I don't know. Um, it would be kind of cool for some of the citizens to get it and kind of try it. I kind of wish that they would do this in like a controlled environment instead of like sending the police out with it randomly. It's all right, go try it on people. And, you know, uh, if they get charged, whatever. But if we find out it doesn't work, whatever. Yeah. You know, I kind of wish it was more in a, an environment like that. So I have to read these bills and kind of see what exactly they're going to do with this um, to see if, you know, the community should support it. Um, what do you think about these so far? You know, I'm I'm not a big DUI fan, but uh, we, yeah. we we can't uh, you can't just be rolling around all wasted either. So yeah, they they they've got to come up with some way of doing it as long as it's accurate. And the the thing with marijuana again, it's in your system for 30 days or more, um, and so coming up with an accurate system that shows that you're currently high and not something that happened yesterday, yeah. as long as that's accurate, we're going to have to have something. Yeah. Um, you, you can't be driving around drunk for the same reason. Yeah. Um, it just needs to be an accurate test. If, if it is accurate, then I'm a firm believer. But if we're just going to start, uh, you smell like weed, you get a DUI, then that ain't, that's not going to fly either. Yeah. And, you know, there's some language in one of these bills that, you know, pretty much solidify that, you know, smell is not probable cause. And so that, that really helps because, you know, police do that all the time. And I think the legislature saw that and saw the issues that came from the way the wording was. I was like, okay, we got to, you know, kind of, you know, just make it solid so that way no one can really go around it and kind of screw people over. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, because, you know, I want something that's just accurate. You know, if it's just a test that, you know, you can fool with sugar, you know, like some of the others that we know we've had in the past, you know, that's not right, you know, and we shouldn't be doing that, you know, especially here in a state where people are really poor. Um, that's not fair. So the next bill that um, I'm going to talk about, and I'm only going to give you guys a few. This is just an example of what's in there, um, just a little handful. Uh, this is going to be the Cannabis Regulation Act changes, and that's pretty much what it's called. This one is the one that incre um, is calling to increase micro plant counts. I'm not sure if it has anything in it, like, you know, license closure or anything like that. Um, so I know you guys are going to ask me questions like that later. Um, and you guys can look for yourselves, too. I always try to post the NM Legis website so you guys can look at these bills, and I usually post the links. So um, I'm not too sure what else it has in it. It doesn't seem like anything crazy. If you look on the bills, anything underlined is something new, anything crossed out, something they're taking out. So keep that in mind. Um, the next bill I want to talk about is HB 331. 
So this is going to be pretty much correcting the language in the CRA when it comes to background checks. Because as of right now, the state can't do federal background checks due to a mess up in the language that they did. It didn't comply with federal regulations, of course, like, you know, the bureaucratic system that it is. Um, and they have to update it so that way that the federal government can actually do background checks here. Because I guess we've had a couple instances where people got through the cracks that shouldn't have been in the, um, the industry who had a lot of federal charges and it caused some issues. Um, that person is no longer in the industry, from my understanding, which is good. Um, but, you know, with this change right here, we could see, you know, a little bit more of a crackdown and less people in the industry that shouldn't be here. You know, essentially, they just won't be able to renew their license. Um, so to me, that seems like a plus. I haven't read the bill fully yet to see exactly what it says to really give a yay or nay or support. Um, but I will, as the session goes on, of course, update all of you on some of these bills that are actually getting through legislature, getting hearings, and, you know, what could change. So so what do you kind of feel so far with these? Though? Um, again, everybody needs to be doing it right. And if you're if you're not meeting the requirements, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And so if, if these changes are going to give them the ability to make sure everybody's doing it right, we need it. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think some of this is just kind of correcting some of the problems that they thought that they had the ability to do something with that they really don't. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. now they're trying to get a little bit of power to be able to pull people's licenses and and actually shut them down and lock their doors yeah. where some of that stuff is is not doable at this point. Yeah. And um, Hopefully it's something that isn't just meant to just shut licenses down, just to shut them down. Hopefully nope. it's fair and it's the reason to shut them down to do something bad, illegal, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Inspections, um, uh, time for corrections, all of those kinds of things. But there needs to be a line drawn in the sand that it, it's this or it's not. You yeah. know, you're either doing it right or you're not. And and if you're not, we need to be doing something different. Hundred yeah. percent. It's it's there's way too much money invested in the people that are doing it right to allow the people that just come in from the sides and, and bring out a state product is the biggest issue. Yeah. Um, and then get it into BioTrack and, and get it into this state unfairly, yeah. unduly, unjustly. And that's actually another bill that I saw in there. I didn't mention it in this, but uh, it's a, a tracking system bill. Um, I haven't read it, haven't opened it. I don't know what it says, but I do know that there's a bill that's introduced to do something with our tracking. I don't know if it's to get us a new tracking system or if it's for the state to create one like they tried the last time in the other bill. Um, but I'll update you all once I figure it out. But there is something in there when it pertains to tracking. I do feel personally, this is a personal opinion, that we do need a better tracking system. It's very flawed. Um, people can manipulate it very easily. We've seen that over and over. And a lot of people have told me through the industry, and I've seen it myself. Um, and we need something new. you know. And this is kind of an old system that kind of needs to be updated. It needs to be updated for sure. Um, there is a lot of manipulation, even if you have to go in and, and, and put an excuse or a, a description of what happened. CCD doesn't have enough people to be monitoring what they're really doing. And so there's just a lot falling through the cracks yeah. um, that if the people that were reviewing that information knew what they were looking at, there would be a lot of red flags that would come up and they would be looking at other people for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I like that. You know, and I agree because, you know, there's just, I kind of hope that these bills all together end up just closing a lot of loopholes and helping us in the long run. We probably won't get something big until next year, but one or two things helps, you know, you know, for now um, until we can get a longer session, which I, I just wish all our sessions were a little longer, but there's nothing we can really do about that right now. I did see something too. I think they're talking about um, an amendment with alcohol. 
Oh, with, to allow yep. oh, cross, that would be, cross business, not in the same facility. But to allow you yeah. to have the license. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I thought that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so I hopefully I, they change that too, because you should be allowed to have a liquor license and a cannabis license. Two separate not, businesses. Two separate entities, yeah. you know, but, you know, you should be able to do that as an entrepreneur and a capitalist, you know, society. So. The, this state is very anti-business sometimes, it seems like. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes I feel like that the cannabis industry. So hopefully they can change that, you know, and stuff that can change positively. So thank you anyway for, for that conversation and your, your you know, point of views and opinions on that because, you know, the industry opinions really do matter, you know, especially when it comes to something like this. Uh, if they had somebody like myself reading the bio track descriptions and things, you know, it takes one to know one. The, the problem is they just don't have the people that know what's going on that are reading the descriptions of why things are being removed from BioTrack, which allows them to most of the time put it out onto the black market. Yeah, because of the um, past testing. Yeah, whatever, whatever the reason may be. Um, and if, if they had the right people sniffing around in those um, notes in the BioTrack, I think they would be finding a little bit more that is being reported and nobody's catching. Oh, so it's in front. It's right under the nose. They're it's not reading it. It's under their nose. Yeah. Uh, um, so check your notes. Check your notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk about the DEA, uh, and I know, I know, no one wants to talk about the DEA or the feds. That's the feds, I get. It. Um, but this is actually something good, kind of. So the DEA they responded um, officially, and they announced that they are actually now reviewing the Human and Health and Services recommendations of moving cannabis from Schedule One to Schedule Three. What this means is that DEA is currently, as we're having this podcast and recording it that they are reviewing all of the facts that the HHS has sent them and more. Um, so that is actually good news because that means we could hear a final decision within late spring or early summer at the earliest. Um, latest would be closer to election year because, or election time, because this is an election year. And I think that's the reason why we're on a sped up timeline with them and the way they're going about it the route that they are. Um, as you guys know, it's a presidential election. When things like that happen, a lot of weird things start to happen politically. Of course, all the ads start to come up, and it's really annoying. I just hope my uh, mailbox isn't full of those freaking flyers. <laughs> <laughs> they will be. They will be. What a waste of money. I can always hope. I know. I got so much paper. So um, much paper. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, as I said, the DEA did announce that you know they are officially reviewing it. Um, what this means is they could reschedule, deschedule, or do nothing at all. Um, what I do feel they're going to do is they're going to go with uh, human health and services recommendations of schedule three It's very rare to see a federal entity go against another federal entity's recommendation on that point, unless they have significantly more evidence, AKA us as an industry and people contacting them and letting them know that, no, this is what we need for. <coughs> reason. Um, I hope that you all, you know, use that as a, um, a hint to contact your representatives and to contact the DEA directly to at least give them your opinion as a taxpayer. You at least should give them what you think and believe. Um, I, I understand that the DEA is the final um, say in this uh, decision right here, but you know we still can tell them you know how we feel and that might help. Not to mention that they just went through and schedule one. All the deltas, all the CBD products. They did, yeah, they yeah. Just did that, too. yeah. So it's kind of um, peculiar that you take the Delta products and put them schedule one while you're reviewing the rescheduling of marijuana. But yeah, because it probably means they're going to move to schedule three. If <laughs> I'm not the director of the DEA either. Yeah, yeah, me neither. You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't pay that guy. Well, I guess my tax. <coughs> I don't pay him directly like that. Um, so yeah. This, it's good that we're, we're, we're getting the DEA to tell us this and to let us know. Um, it's just the industry is very afraid of Schedule 3. There's a lot of people who are 
happy, you know, about Schedule 3, but there are some things that come with it that are <coughs> There's some things that come with it that are cons. Um, the pros would be, of course, we don't pay 280E anymore. Yay. Um, the con would be that um, we now have to deal with more um, alphabet boys or more federal entities. Um, that would be the downside. We're going to have to get ready for that day. So getting prepared now would probably be a good idea to figure out who we're going to have to deal with, what we're going to have to deal with. Um, and a good idea to probably look at the hemp industry since it is federally legal. <coughs> Those guys do have to deal with you know certain other federal entities we don't. So it might be a good idea for you know everyone to kind of look at that, kind of figure it out, um, and maybe even contact some of these federal agencies and you know just ask them directly. If let's say they reschedule to three, what will I have to do? you know, to get up to par. So that way, once those regulations go into effect, you're hitting the ground running and you don't have to worry about it. Do not want to go to Schedule 3 because they would rather pay that 280E tax versus being something over here wonky that, you know, we don't even know what's going to happen yet. Texas. Um, yeah, exactly. So Texas might just be a Schedule 3 state, you know, and they might put that in their law where you have to be. New Mexico, I could see us doing something where it's split down the middle. You can be 280E or you can be Schedule 3. Either way, they're getting your money. And I'm kind of afraid of that because that just... Why? More hands in it. <laughs> Why? Less regulation, more hands in it. It's, yeah. it's regulated, but uncontrolled. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not um, policed, if yeah. you will. Because, you know, like a lot of people think that right away the states are going, oh, yeah, every state's just going to do Schedule 3. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, certain states are going to fight that and not want to do it because of whatever reason. Because of who they are. Yeah. And so um, that, that's one of the, the fears that I can see coming from that and I can see kind of happening and people bringing it up. Because there's, there's legal scholars out there who um, believe that this is really going to make you have to, some of them believe that, okay, you might have to do a pharmacist, but this is also like a little loophole being Schedule 3. It's going to be like cough syrup. You know, it's going to be like, oh, every use of, for cannabis now is going to be medicinal on Schedule 3. Um, and if you don't use it medicinally, it's actually, there's still a federal penalty that comes behind it. So Schedule 3 doesn't mean that the user is a free from a penalty. It just means that the industry is free from a federal penalty. It doesn't mean that you're safe consuming it. You still have to consume it medicinally, according to the legal scholars that, you know, you, you can still get locked up for drinking too much uh, cough syrup. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, schedule three. So, and that's where that comes in. And guys, take a look at schedule sometimes, you know, uh, give it a look. Um, it's hilarious what's on schedule three. Um, because if you look at schedule one, you have cannabis on there with heroin and then you have like, you know, fentanyl on, I think on schedule two. Um, or yeah, I think schedule two or schedule three with it. And it's ridiculous because we know how deadly fentanyl is because it's literally killing people right now as I speak. Um, so that's one thing about the, that I will say about the scheduling that has always been weird to me because they have certain things on there that just don't belong in my opinion. And we've seen through science and through time. And even now the human and health and services are saying it doesn't belong there. It belongs on schedule three at the least. But I hope the DEA has enough sense to see that there is going to be a split industry in certain states. Um, meaning, um, I'm going to nickname it now. It's going to be a 280E industry or a Schedule 3 industry. That's the easiest way to, to tell them a different apart. One's paying a federal drug illegal tax and one's paying a regular bracket tax, but they're in a Schedule 3 bracket with other big pharma guys that are you know, going to be competing with them too. And that's another fear that a lot of people in the industry have been saying for a long time is the fear of big pharma. Uh, I'm not too sure if you know you, you have that same kind of feel or fear. I think everybody kind of thinks I am big pharma. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the biggest indoor facility in the state as far as I know. Yeah. There are bigger um, outdoor facilities and hoop houses and greenhouses and such, but uh, I think we're the largest indoor facility. I've got a thousand lights burning. Um, and I think everybody kind of looks at us as that, yeah. you know, even though we are all local people, we are all local grown. We're just a big company. Yeah. But 
we're not big pharma you yeah, know? yeah we're not marlboro yeah right? yeah 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 we're, no. we're, we're just not uh, but we are big and i think that that bothers people too um for whatever their reasons may be yeah 100 percent. And, and i will give some con uh, some pros of everything that's going on like i said we'll stop paying 280e we'll pay regular taxes it does open it up for bank accounts for banks to work with us in the industry um it also gives employees a little bit more protection it allows the employer to now make tax deductions um, which is a huge plus because a lot of the places are eating the taxes and that actually might be a huge benefit for some people to move to schedule three, you know, because they'll save the money there. There's going to be the stubborn ones that stay on the 280E and we all know that's going to happen. But um, as I'm talking now, you know, I'm, I'm realizing that we're more than likely going to have two different industries um, if that does happen, um, unfortunately. But um, if they allow them to pick. Yeah, if they allow them to pick, you know, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, certain states might just say, no, no, no it's just everything's going to go schedule three. You know, there's, well, I don't know what to tell you guys. Figure it out. Um, but you know, you have those, you have those rogue states and I know that one will, one will stay behind, you know what I mean? And we'll see what happens there. You know, this big experiment that this is already. Um, so we'll see what, what, what really happens when it comes from this with the DEA. If. Um, yeah, if they could take 10 years on this decision, if they want, to be honest, they don't have to give it to us, you know, at the time period that I'm giving, I'm just giving an estimate and a guess of when it's going to come out. And from what people have told me, you know, from around the industry too, kind of what they feel too is, you know, late spring, early summer, and I kind of feel that would be a good timeline, um, especially being in an election year. So, um, uh, yeah, would you have anything else on that? No, um, it definitely, because it's an election year, a presidential election year, we will see some some crazy things happen. Some of that stuff will happen overnight yeah. um, if they're looking for a vote in a certain sector. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it can they can sneak a lot in, and they can sneak a lot out during the same session yeah. for the same reason yeah and i did want to add to you know that some of the legal scholars say that you know it's impossible for us to decriminalize because we you know international law you know we have to go by international law we could get in trouble but i canada did it and i don't see anybody really giving them a big complaint or anything so i think that's just people being paranoid and really breaking it down and just kind of going to the every little possibility that could happen in my One, opinion the biggest things that happens for anybody in las cruces and it's not just myself it's we're south of the border patrol. Yeah. So anything that we produce here, I have very limited access to the rest of the state to uh, get my product out where everybody else in the rest of the state can come down here and bring their products in here, no problem. So we're not really playing on level playing grounds here, on yeah. even playing grounds. Even in the state, yeah. In in the within the state. Yeah. So the rescheduling might do, excuse me, us some good. Us being anybody south of the border patrol. Yeah. Because then the the Border Patrol will have uh, legal action to back off on what they consider a federal offense. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be able to cross state lines. So yeah. if I start producing one um, amazing product like our um, water-soluble drinks are going to be, then we could take that across state lines. So to me, that's a positive thing. Again, there's a lot of negatives that could come with it. Yeah. I mean, with every positive comes some kind of negative. Yeah. And in a sense, you know, we were... Especially with the federal government. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all know that one. And I'm sure everybody in the industry could agree with us on that one. Um, so either way, um, it's a great idea to contact your representatives, guys, you know, to tell them what you feel should happen and to contact the DEA. Respectfully, of course. Don't start emailing people angrily, all caps, and start cussing. You know, please talk to people respectfully like you would want to be talked to. Because we can disagree, but we don't have to yell at each other. There's really no point in that. 
So that's everything I had for the DA thing for now. Um, once we get any more updates, I'll keep you guys updated. You know, I'll put it on my socials. Um, this was on my socials first because we were on the break for season from season one to season two. But I wanted to update you guys on those two important things that's really happening right now. As the the weeks go on, I'll update you guys more what's going on. So that's really what I have for the show. But I got a couple more bonus information for you. As you guys know, I've been doing these town halls around the state, trying to get the local businesses, you know, in those areas, their opinions of what's going on, how we can fix this industry, what we can do, because we really want to try to get this put into a bill eventually in the end. And um, I kind of feel that would be helpful. I know this year it probably won't pass, but it's something good to have next year because it's a bill by the industry. You know, we're, we're really getting a consensus of what everybody wants and needs. And that's kind of really what I want. So the more of you that show up to these town halls, the better information and data that we get to put in there, because this is something that you guys have been telling us. And, you know, we're, we're going into this non-biasedly. We, we allow you guys to talk, to, to give your piece and, we, you know, write down exactly what you say. So if you guys want, we're doing three more this month. I know, crazy, right? We're going to be in Clovis, Carlsbad, and Hobbs. Uh, this week we'll be in Carlsbad. So this Friday, January 12th, 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 12th um, at 610 North Canal um, in Carlsbad. And it's going to be 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Um, so the following week, we're going to be in Clovis and Hobbs. So keep that in mind. These two are going to be going on at the same time. The good people at the Plug NM are going to be helping us with this one. They're going to be conducting the Clovis meeting while we're down south in Hobbs, can, uh, or more south, um, down in Hobbs. And we're going to conduct that meeting at the exact same time they are. So we're going to have two different meetings going on at the same time. So those of you in Clovis can all go and attend that meeting, put all your data in, and give them everything that you want to want to spiel and then down to Hobbs, we're going to do the same thing. So the Clovis location will be at Nature Solution that addresses 1301 North Prince, and that's Clovis, New Mexico. Um, that's going to be the same time, 5 o'clock to 6.30. And then down in Hobbs, we're at the same exact time, 5 to 6.30. We're going to be at Strained Gardens, and that's at 321 East Alston Street, and that's Hobbs, New Mexico. So if you guys are in the industry, if you know anybody, I'll have the flyer out here probably later today, and I'll be sharing it every day. Um, up until the events of these, um, if you guys could attend these, that would be great. We've been getting a lot of great feedback and information and data from people um, around the industry because we went to Albuquerque, Selena Park um, here in Cruces. And um, now we're going to be headed to eastern New Mexico to collect more data. So um, if you guys can show up, that would be great. So um, thank you again to Quality uh, Packaging for sponsoring today's episode. You can again find them at on Instagram at Quality Customs, Customs with the K, or contact Josh Viegas at 575-571-6288. They are providing the cannabis industry with great packaging, custom boxes, designs, and signs. Quality made men with quality made products. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. That wraps it up for this week. Thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I can't wait to go down and check that grow. It should be a fun time. Anytime. Yeah, and try the waffles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'll see you next week. Uh, we're having, we'll have another good episode. I'll keep you guys updated. All right, shoots. Thank you.